There's a thunderstorm a-brewing And a day is turning gray And there ain't much to say about the weather Say the shower stall is leaking And the ceiling's falling in And I'm getting 20 bills to every letter oh, I've got to move myself out to the country Bikini. My name is Marie White, and joining me today is my co-host, Nicholas Banton. How are you, Nicholas? I'm great, Marie. It's good to be with you once again. It's a beautiful fall day. It certainly is. It's beautiful outside. The rain has stopped falling, and uh, trees, well, I think we're seeing the last of the fall colors. Today is Thursday, October 27th, 2022, and today's podcast is dedicated to my nephew, Daniel Michael White, who unfortunately did pass away a year ago today, and we will always miss him. Absolutely. Today on the White Bikini is part three of the City of Brotherly Love, What Happened? And our last couple conversations have been more of the history of trauma in the African-American community, the violence and the shootings, and all the negativity that's been experience in the city but today is more about what can we do in a more immediate sense to kind of change things yeah i mean the challenge is so daunting that the idea that we can actually come up with a few action items i'm really encouraged by that idea so i really do look forward to the conversation today i wanted to focus immediately on the philadelphia area and what program is available. There are a few, but I wanted to focus today on something called Black Men Heal. And James Patterson wrote an article in the Philly Citizen called Heal Men, Heal Men. And there are a couple solutions to the trauma being faced by the Black community, which gives me a little more optimism. Yeah, I'm just... No, go on. No, I was just going to add briefly that, you know, it, the, the title itself is interesting because it, it's a play on the, the, the term, hurt people hurt people. And so I think it's apropos that they chose the title, Heal Men, Heal Men. And I, I just thought that was really an interesting, you know, use of a common expression. It was founded by women, Philly-based Black Men Heal is helping to address the emotional pain of African-American men around the country. And as we know, Black men need to heal. And in the absence of any comprehensive program to redress these challenges systemically, we are all left at the mercy of those who assume the oneness of this need for healing as a personal and professional mission. And I do believe it starts local. Yes, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where you make the most profound changes. You make it at the you make it at the lo- local level, and so I think their attention and focus are in the right place. Tas Tasnim Sulian 
is a co-founder of Black Men Heal. She grew up and attended public schools in the 26th and Lehigh neighborhood of Philadelphia before attending Westchester and Temple Universities. She does reflect on her early school, school years and she does note that her neighborhood was a typical inner city Philadelphia school district. The urgency for healing is not in question here. As we discussed, the fatal gun homicides in the city of Philadelphia have suggested that 123 of 148 victims were black men. Data on the shooters, particularly because so many of these cases, which is a whole other problem, remain unsolved, is not available. And the victims of gun violence reflect one vector in an ever-expanding model of disparity that affects the lived experience of black men. And what do you think about that, Nick? It's not an easy take. You know, it's, it's, I can't necessarily give you a quick read on it other than recognizing the problem, recognizing the pattern is key. And it sounds like that's what we're talking about, at least at this phase of addressing the, the solutions component of the problem. I mean, do you feel, let me put it to you this way. Do you feel that the people that are involved in a situation actually do have an accurate handle on the case, on, on the problem? I think as accurate as you can in a 200 year old problem. Fair enough. I think that's a fair, fair assessment because, you know, the problem preceded them by centuries. And I think to walk, wake up, you know, in a world or come into a world where uh, the problems that you're facing are centuries old, I think that's a fair, fair critique. Black Men Heal offers eight free therapy sessions to black men who fill out a quick application to qualify for the program. Agency and accountability are most important features for the applicants. Men must apply for themselves. No referrals or recommendations from life partners or family members. And so they puts, must, sorry. So it puts the onus, yeah, it, I was just gonna say, it just puts the onus on men to take the initiative and make the changes in their lives. And they must have some accountable clarity on their own mental health needs. And the organization uses a proprietary matching system which to screen and match patients with therapists of color. The final part is Black Men Heal has provided 1,295 free sessions so far and has graduated its 10th cohort of patients, 75% of whom are staying in therapy. That's fantastic. Um, so this might be an unfair question, but where does the funding come from? Do you know, does it say? No, and I should know that. Okay. I mean, it's, it's like I said, it's, we're not gonna solve this problem tomorrow. So these are all perhaps questions for another day, but I, I, I compliment them for taking the initiative to make these changes. And as we said, it's, it's a sy systemic problem. And as you and I've discussed numerous times on the podcast regarding many different things, once the pandemic hit, the paradigm shifted. Mental health in general saw a 100% increase in demand. The delivery of mental health care services via telehealth or online video platforms became more conventional. And Solomon envisioned developing a pipeline for therapists of color to accrue the clinical experience necessary for them to secure license. 
This is something that can be difficult, especially for early career therapists of color. The vision made sense, but the resources were still lacking in 2020. I think it's an important point to acknowledge, you know, while I was going through in-depth therapy, one of the issues that I worked with, with my therapist, who was not a person of color, was the issue of identity. And so an identity in my case being a black man of immigrant descent. So these factors are important. So having someone across the room from you, across the table from you, who shares your experience and has an understanding of the challenges that you've had in your life, I think it's absolutely relevant. Because you don't want to send this community to a white woman, a white man, that's some of the trigger and some of the background of the problem. Yeah, I mean, and, and I think even the most, um, even the best trained therapists are only human. They're limited by their experiences and their training. And if you've never had the experience of living um, or or having an idea of microaggression, of what, what, what it feels like to wear the skin when you walk into a room and people have these involuntary reactions where their faces are smiling, but you know, their bodies are tense and you can see the discomfort. You know, as a black man, you recognize these things very quickly. Someone could be smiling in your face and putting on the best performance of their life, trying to make you, trying to convince you that they have one impression of you, when in reality, their bodies or their body language, I should say, is betraying their better instincts. And once the pandemic hit, I prefer a therapist to be local but if you can partner with someone all over the country during the lockdown, that you could get someone immediate mental health. And then if something became a crisis point, hopefully the therapist would have contact with someone in the Philadelphia area, but people would be able to get immediate help versus 10 years ago. I don't know that we would have had the ability to navigate the pandemic as well as we did with technology. Agreed. I think 10 years ago, 15 years ago, definitely 20 years ago, activating the resources to help the community would be in a much more difficult situation. You know, now it's as simple as having a smartphone and being linked to a broader community of specialist therapists and like-minded individuals who are going through the process of healing. So absolutely, you're right. And another thing that's come about in the last few years is finally there is a separate suicide and crisis lifeline which is 988, and I think it's long overdue. Agreed, agreed. I think there has been a sort of a dereliction of duty when it comes to mental health concerns in this country. Uh, it's not to suggest that there haven't been serious issues of mental health problems in our society writ large, uh, but I think attitudes towards it have been uh, in the realm of what I describe as toxic masculinity, uh, the, the kind of machismo where one denies the truth of their lived experience in order to appeal to some sort of constructed, twisted ideal of the male, the male ego. So it, it, these are important changes. And I think, you know, while, you know, people take the internet to buy, you know, stuff on Amazon and send email, here we're taking advantage of a resource to connect people to hopefully healthier lives. And in February of 2020, which is literally a week before the pandemic really started, Black Men Heal benefited from a one-two media punch. An inquire profile of the organization brought Black Men Heal to the attention of Charlemagne the God, 
co-host of the popular radio show The Breakfast Club, and a well-known figure has been public about his own struggles and mental health. Suleiman spoke with Charlemagne, who called her the day he was tagged in the Inquirer article. And that's another thing, too, with social media, people aren't as isolated as they used to be. Agreed. And I think you know, uh, a public figure like Charlemagne the God, who has been very uh, descriptive, if not explicit, about his struggles with mental health, and I don't think any reasonable person, I mean, you know, I, I don't want to go into get into the idea of like what's a real man and what a real man's supposed to look like or anything like that, because I don't want to feed into the stereotypes. But like, I think any person who would have a conversation, sit down with Charlemagne the God, I don't think they would quest, question his masculinity. And I think to, to have an individual like he with a platform that is big as The Breakfast Club, which is one of the largest, largest morning shows, uh, radio morning shows, and I think internet as well, um, possibly on TV. I think it might be on TV One. Um, he has a huge audience, so this is significant. And I promised myself I wouldn't bring this up, but I can't avoid it. Kanye West. Yeah, let's talk about Kanye West. I think it's, for us to ignore it would be a sort of a miscarriage of our mandate as individuals who have taken on uh, speaking to a broader public. So what are your thoughts? Where do you want to begin? Kanye West, I fear, has been on to me- is in a mental health crisis. And I know he has access and I know people are helping him. But what, what do you do with the Kanye West? Yeah, it's a specific challenge because he has the resources and he has a community of yes men and supplicants around him that will essentially placate any need or concern he has. I mean, if Kanye West is paying you $100,000 a year um, to do whatever, um, you're going to do whatever you need to do in order to keep that money coming in. And I think that's part of the problem is that no one is speaking truth to power. And up until, you know, he breached his contract with uh, Adidas and um, and Gap and uh, TJ Maxx and or whatever the parent company for TJ Maxx is, I think it might be TJX company or something like that. He was worth over $2 billion. But even after that, he's still worth over a half billion dollars. So with that kind of money in a democratic capitalist system like the one we have, you can still pretty much say and do whatever you want. And I think that's what we're seeing. Well, until he started really going after the Jewish community. Which is an absolute disgrace. You and I spoke about it in the moment, and I think we were unambiguous about what, how wrong this was. And I think, let, let's be honest, you know, we've always tried to be honest about our feelings and our impressions. And I think there's some, there's a sentiment in some within the black community that a certain amount of anti-Semitism is appropriate. And that's just wrong. That is absolutely wrong. I look at it this way. If even if you are just, even if you are an anti-Semite and you're a member of the black community, community, excuse me, um, look at it this way. The people who are going to come for the Jews are going to come for the blacks. It's not a safe space. You don't tolerate any community being set apart I... and targeted the way uh, Kanye West does, especially a community like the Jewish community that has experienced 2000 years of horrors. I, I think all of this talk and this anger is trauma. I agreed. But I think I think it's 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 a layer it's a layer cake of dysfunction. I think trauma is, as you said, is absolutely a component of it. I also think that um, he is bipolar and it sounds um, from a lay person's impression, so to make up this what you know, take this all with a grain of salt. 
that he is going through a manic episode. And I think there's a part of him, as, and maybe this is a function of the mania, I think he's testing his limits. I think there's a part of him that believes that he is almost invincible. And I think he's saying things, and this is not excusing what he has said, but I think he's saying things almost daring society to slap his hand. Oh, yeah, I, see, I see it totally different. Okay, well, how do you see it? I just see that he's just pushing and pushing and pushing because he's so angry that he's just trying to tear everything down because he, his self-hatred is so incredibly high. I think that's reasonable. I think you, I think you're on to a point. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's just talking shit. I just think he hates himself and he is lashing out at everything he can lash out at and he's almost going to exhaust himself and I don't know how he can come back from this now. I don't think there's come, any coming back. Well, shouldn't say never. I mean, look at Mel Gibson. Mel Gibson came back, right? You know, I'm speaking. I, I don't think uh, there are any celebrities out there who want to have their pictures taken with uh, Mel Gibson, but Mel Gibson is back in a way. Um, I think if Kanye West comes, uh, you know, takes some time and composes an amazing hip hop album and, you know, even if he self-publishes it, which you can't do these days, I think there's going to be a community of people that will go, eh, look the other way or take advantage of his mental health challenges and use it uh, to dismiss his actions, which I think in, in a very, very, very limited way, I think has to be taken into account that he's having a mental health crisis. But um, I'm not one who dismisses a Kanye West because he does have access. He does know better. He's actually a very intelligent man. I, I guess it's bothering me that what he said was wrong. I think it is from a mental health crisis. And it bothered me that they just went into the gap and was tearing everything out of their windows, getting rid of all of his merchandise. They didn't even give it a minute to breathe. Well, you know, I look at it slightly differently. I think, you know, let's not forget in the past 10 years, the number of synagogues, the number of temples, um, the number of Jews who have been targeted and murdered by white nationalists, by neo-fascists. I, I hear what you're saying, but like we have a precedent of horrible things in the United States within the last 10 years, within the last five years absolute atrocities being perpetrated against the Jewish community. And I just don't think you can take any chances. I think if, if I think they acted appropriately. I, I think when that happened, I mean, yes, you can be cynical and say, well, they're just doing what they had to do because they're following some crisis communication playbook. And that could be true. But as I, I like to say, two things, three things, four things, multiple things can be true all at the same time. And I think you have a community that is very vulnerable, and we live in a society with a lot of guns and a lot of hate. Uh, look at the the video over the weekend of the neo-Nazis uh, giving the Nazi salute and unfurling the banner, Kanye was right, over the 405. Think about that. Neo-Nazis pointing to Kanye West as some sort of herald of their racist and uh, anti-Semitic beliefs. So I, I don't think, and this is why I make an appeal to the black community, Whatever grievances you have, whatever misgivings you may have, you know what? Get get out of your head, get into the real world and come to realize that if someone 
is unkind to you, it's not because their name is Stein or Greenberg. It could just be that guy's a jerk. Because at the end of the day, as I've said, the people who are coming for the Jews are coming for the blacks. We're no safer. So we have to recognize who our allies are and we have to stand as one. Do you know how many synagogues there are around here that are, are flying the Black Lives Matter banner? A lot, a lot. Because they recognize that when the black community gets attacked, they're next. And I think we have to have the same approach. And I don't mean it from a cynical perspective, like, you know, I'm friends with you because you're gonna get my back. I mean, there's a practicality to it, but there is a shared experience. You know, the, 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 the Jewish community have been allies of the black community from the beginning in terms of our fight for freedom. You know, whether it's, you know, NAACP or other civil rights movements, the Jews have been there. So I would just make an appeal broadly to the black community. Don't fall into the trap of thinking what Kanye West is saying has some sort of validity. And I think Adidas took too long because now people are starting to refuse to wear any Adidas attire as a protest because they waited they waited out a good 24 hours yeah. before they pulled the plug. And that's part of the cynicism that I think it's, it's absolutely relevant to point to these corporations. I mean, corporations don't have eyes, they don't have ears, they don't have hearts. I think as I'm stealing that line from Jim Cramer, in the middle of the George Floyd protests when he was talking about the, you know, the stock market was roaring and you had hundreds of thousands, millions of people in the streets protesting a violent act of racism being committed uh, against an American citizen by the police. And people were wondering, well, why is the stock market doing so well? Why is corporate America, you know, on a, you know, on this bull market? And I think that's part of it. Corporations are not sensitive to the needs of the community. They're simply instruments of wealth aggregation and redistribution. That's the system. That's what they do. They take resources and they convert it to wealth. They don't take into consideration the needs of the community. It's up to the leaders in the C-suite, you know, the CEO, CFOs, CTO, CIOs, to make these difficult decisions. And I think they waited, hoping that it would blow over. And then he showed up at the Skechers headquarters and they, they escorted him out of the building. Rightfully so. A, a, a company headed by, founded and headed by Jewish men. Um, I, I feel for Kanye in the sense that clearly there's something wrong. I, in, you know, I feel for Kanye West in the same way that I feel for like a John Hinckley. John Hinckley, uh, deservedly, uh, John Hinckley who shot um, President Reagan back in, what, 1981 or 82, somewhere around then. I feel for Kanye West in the same sense. Ultimately, one has committed a legal infraction, one has committed a social infraction. So I don't wanna make it a one-to-one -one comparison, but they're both sick, they both need help. And I think perhaps they need some time away from society. I think Kanye may just need a little time um, with some medical experts and some psychological experts to help him work through this. But I don't know that he's gonna get it. And I, I guess I feel bad mostly because of his children. Yes. And then we talk about the children. Please remind me, I am not into celebrity gossip, but what is the situation with Kanye and uh, and his wife, ex-wife? How, how does that stand? Is there any, are there any adults in the room around Kanye West? I can cannot imagine that Kim Kardashian in the background is doing everything she can to protect the father of her four children. But in that being said, I don't think he's listening anymore 
because I do believe he's either having a manic episode and I don't obviously we're talking here we don't have any access to Kanye West mental health records just as self since we're discussing trauma in the African-American community I cannot believe that Kim is not trying to get him help I know that they're not speaking but I don't know today where that stands but I cannot imagine the Kardashian machine is trying to get him to proper help but he's not listening yeah and, and that's part of the problem you know, if he were a mere mortal like your eye, uh, I think Kanye was, would have been 302'd. Um, but that kind of wealth buys uh, a certain amount of um, protection. Um, I, I guess I feel like all of this racism that he's putting towards the Jewish community, I just think it's all a symptom of a bigger problem. What's that problem? I don't know. I guess I do have a soft spot for Kanye West, and I never, ever make excuses for bad behavior. But, um, I still believe this trauma is um, a self-hatred, which I go back to the untimely death of his mother due to a plastic surgery error, that I do believe that it was then that Kanye kind of went off the rails. And I do believe that Kanye is the type of man that his mother helped keep him on track. And he lost his mother way too young. His mother was only, his mother passed at 58. So Kanye was probably only in his thirties. I just feel bad for him and I'm gonna wish him the best. I think we can both agree on that. Like I said, multiple things can be true at the same time. I think the world wants Kanye West to be healthy. I think if we put aside the megalomania and just look at him as a, an artist, and I'm not even a big Kanye fan. I. There are a couple songs that he's that he um, has performed, and I'm like, wow, those are really good. But beyond that, I don't have a stack of Kanye West's albums, you know, in my um, in my MP3 player or streaming on my phone or anything like that. Did you say MP3 player? Yeah, those things still exist. Poor I know, I know. But um, <laughs> I was going to say CDs, but then I didn't want to give you a heart attack. But, <laughs> but in in all reality, uh, he is. Um, a uniquely talented artist. Artist, excuse me. Uh, he's good. He is actually good. Um, even if you're not a huge fan, you can look at what he's done, the body of work that he's put out there and go, wow, that's really good work. So I think the music world benefits from having a healthy Kanye West out there, but the rest of society is hurting right now because of an unhealthy Kanye West going through what looks like one of the world's most epic public meltdowns. And mind you, I'm saying all this, I'm not discounting his racism. I'm not discounting his anti-Semitism. I think they feed one into the other, but we need we need Kanye to get some help. And we need black men to tie it into the topic of this discussion. We need black men in the city of Philadelphia to get the help they need because they don't have $400 million at their disposal to turn their lives around. The crown jewel in Black Men Heal's expansive mental health repertoire is still to come. The gun violence group therapy, which is called GVGT, in partnership with the Mayor's Office of Black Male Engagement, will launch later this year to address the mental health of youth and their family members as it relates to the impact of gun violence in Philadelphia by providing educational and clinical resources around grief and how to cope more effectively. I think Kanye's mental health is being driven by grief. 
I think you're right. Um, and I think a lot of the shootings, as we've discussed in previous uh, podcasts in the city, has to do with trauma. And it's the kind of trauma where you're just not thinking clearly. And I, I think we have an example of an African-American man uh, right now in the public eye who's clearly not thinking reasonably. And I suppose one of the good that could come of this is to shine a light on the trauma and mental health issues that exist in the black community. I mean, it's one of the one of the only goods I can think of because Kanye is not doing any favors for himself and he is hurting millions of vulnerable Americans in the Jewish community. But hopefully cooler minds will go, we need to do something about this. This is a call to action moment where we have concern not only for, you know, a multimillionaire hip hop artist, but for the vulnerable individual black men that are your neighbors um, in the city. And will black men heal, truly heal all that else? The city of Philadelphia, the country, the nation at large? Probably not, but healing may not always require talk therapy and talking about our problems don't always solve everything. But with the right time and space to talk about healing, too many of us never even begin the journeys. So at least having the conversation about feelings and how they're managing, whether it's unemployment, family dynamics, not being able to care for their children, I think it's all a symptom of grief. And I think Kanye West is the poster child, unfortunately, for what's happening in the African-American community. Yeah, I think in, in one respect, Kanye West is using his words to hurt people, whereas many of these young African-American men are using guns to hurt people. And I think I, I won't extend that metaphor beyond that because I think it becomes insensitive. But I think it all ties into what you said, the idea of trauma. It's that idea of hurt people hurt people. And I think you're right, Kanye is hurting. And he's deciding to take his pain to hurt a vulnerable group of people. And I think within the African-American community, especially around African-American men, you have men in those communities that are taking that hurt, taking that trauma to hurt each other. And it has to stop. I think this is a good beginning I think this has to be addressed city by city, state by state. And the fact that they're sensitive to African-American males being able to speak to an African-American male or female. So some of that background is important to get a handle on the emotions. If you're speaking to someone that's never experienced anything you're going through, I don't always know that they're the right person to help you. True. I think that shared history, that shared identity does matter. Um, and I, I will say that one of the things that I think is important to recognize and, you know, how the heck did we all get here? You know, we talked about slavery. We talked about racist medical practices and in psychology and in physiology. But another key component of this was the war on drugs. Under Nixon, when he launched, under his administration, when they launched the war on drugs, they knew, they knew for a fact that the war on drugs would disproportionately impact the black community. And this was America's response to the civil rights movement. I also think, and this might sound a little wacky, I think when not that things were perfect when Barack Obama was president, but I think for a good eight years, everyone felt 
that they had some, the African-American community felt that they had a president that understood their plight. Yeah, I, I, to, I, I agree. I think if you look at most major indices, uh, economic indices of growth, a lot of them um, expanded under Barack Obama and that expansion continued under Donald Trump. And and not that Trump, I think, was any friend to the black community other than paying lip service to the to that notion. But they continued under a healthy economy. But I think with COVID, COVID just erased everything. COVID was in many ways worse than the economic collapse prior to Barack Obama coming into office. But I think you're right. I think having a black face in the White House, a dignified, healthy family was, there were role models, you know, for all the troubles that the Cos uh, Bill Cosby has brought to himself and his victims. Bill Cosby, the Cosby show, I think was important cultural element in American, in, in you know, in American uh, pop culture. Having healthy uh, cultural figures matters. We need to see the good in ourselves. And I think for a lot of people, and I think, let's be honest, not just black people. I, I mean, I've been fortunate to travel all over the world and Barack Obama was someone that the world looked up to. And I think he was especially, um, black people in this, country, in this country were especially proud of him, but you know, just to give the man uh, his just desserts, uh, you know, whether it was in Japan or in Europe, people genuinely had warm affection for the man because irrespective of his policies, people recognized he was decent and good. And I do wonder if, the 2016 election had gone differently, would the level of anger still be present in this country? No. I, I'm willing to, I, I hate speculation. I hate speculation. When I'm around my friends and they start to speculate, I usually uh, chide them for, for going for, to places for which there's no evidence. But, you know, just for the sake of having this conversation, I'm going to indulge myself for the moment. Um, I don't think so. I think, you know, think about what people are really, really angry about. I mean, the Supreme Court would be different. Um, our society would be different. Donald Trump gave a faction of America voice, and that voice was ugly. It's as if this is why we need to call out Kanye West, because what, what Kanye West is doing on an individual level is what I believe Donald Trump did on a national and global level. He gave voice to the worst instincts in our society and within each and every one of us. Each and every one of us have, we all have some darkness within us that we fight against. And we fight against it because we know what the light looks like. I think the difference between Donald Trump and Kanye, not that you're comparing them, is I don't believe that Kanye West believes anything he's saying where I do believe Donald Trump does. I'm not as charitable when it comes to Kanye. I, I, I just, I don't believe that you wake up one day and start to say the most. It's not like, it's not like a kid on the internet who drops the N-bomb just for shock value because, you know, his friends are around and he wants to look cool and he's like, no one's watching. So I'm just going to use the N-word. Kanye West crap has crafted over the last, what, week? How long has this been going on? Week or two weeks? Two weeks now. It's gotten critical now. Over the last two weeks, after being repudiated, after having conversations with people who are members of the Jewish community, I've told him, hey, Kanye, what you're doing is dangerous and hurtful. He's doubled down on it. Is it a function of what it's like to be mentally ill, to be suffering from bipolar disorder and not being on your medication and going through a manic phase? I suppose so. I'm not really qualified to make that assessment, but on some level, I think he's not schizophrenic, right? 
he's not seeing things that are not there. Like I said, I, I feel I'm at my depth, so I, I think I need to um, just state that I'm in no way feel qualified to assess Kanye West. Um, I can barely assess myself, but he's not detached from reality. He's not seeing and hearing things that are not there, I don't think. W what are your thoughts? I think he's, he's in a critical mental health crisis and I don't think he means what he is saying. And I guess I am giving Kanye probably more credit than I should. And we're going to leave Kanye there. Fair enough. I, I'm willing to do that. I'm willing to do that. I think, you know, prior to this um, public outburst, you know, I think our intention was to keep it local. But I think it is relevant. He's, his life, what's going, what he's going through is relevant to the conversation. But that's fair. I think we can let, um, let Kanye be. But I 100% agree with you in terms of the damage he is doing, he could really be such a high-level role model for the community. Agreed. And we'll wish Kanye West, Kim Kardashian, and their children the best. 100% Marie, 100% in agreement with that. Nick, how are you doing? Like, where are you getting your haircut lately? Are you still going to the same place? Are you gonna you know kind what? of expand a little? I'm turning into a cheap old man. I've been, I've been cutting my hair. <laughs> Sometimes I, I, I nick my, the, you know, my earlobe, it just, it's its a mess, Marie. Do you have, is there a solution to my cheap old man problems? Well, we're heading into the holidays. I always feel that Halloween is the beginning of the holiday season. So you always need to get the proper haircut. And every season is the right time for the best haircut in the tri-state area. And that is the shop on Market Street Barbershop. It is Westchester's premier female-owned barbershop providing the freshest cuts and the biggest smiles. Girl barbers rule. Absolutely. They are, you need to make an appointment. If I, You're I'm right. I'm gonna go online. You right know, now. you may, yes. I, I think I may need some adult assistance on this. I can't make an appointment because they are a barbershop that really only does, not male haircuts, but a, a specific haircut. But I think in the goodness of 2022, you need to support our sponsors. I second that. Their address is 134 East Market Street, Westchester, Pennsylvania. Or you can follow them on Instagram to book all appointments. You can talk to them through the DM. Any questions you have, they are the premier barber shop. I'm going to say in the tri-state area. Okay. And next time we talk, I want to make sure that you have an appointment on the books. I think that's a good idea. Thank you for joining us today on The White Bikini. Please listen to The White Bikini on all your favorite podcast platforms and follow us on Instagram. Thank you and have a good day. Bye. Good work.